0: Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind.
1: I am Kedar Foster, a filmmaker in Los Angeles. And I am Rudy R., also a
2: filmmaker in Los Los Angeles. Angeles.
3: Rudy R. (laughs) Yeah.
2: And I am special guest Armando.
1: <laughs> we one of us could have said special guest. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I had to introduce myself, to fans. <laughs> alright?
2: A constant
4: remembrance that a bank, like a political office, is a public trust.
1: Welcome to the Tipsy Circling Podcast, uh, Episode Eight, Season One of the Original Twilight Zone entitled time enough at last this is it guys this is the first huge big popular famous one we're here we started at the bottom and now we are here right. uh this episode is directed by john brahm or bram sorry john if you're out there call me uh mm. teleplay by rod serling story by lynn venable and featured music by Leith stevens original air date for this episode is november 20th 1959
3: For centuries, shaman and other miracle workers have used herbs, tonics, and libations to facilitate their entry into other realities. Ladies and gentlemen, take a sip with us and enter the zone. Alright, so today we're going to be drinking Booker's Bourbon. This is the 2017 Blue Knights Batch. Okay, so this is a really good one and a little bit about it. It's the uh, second release for 2017, and it's named in honor of Blue Knights Motorcycle Club, which I guess is made up of uh, law enforcement. Okay, So this particular batch is comprised of four different production dates and is aged for six years, three months, and six days in four different warehouses. The cool thing here, mm-hmm. right? I like really high-proof whiskeys, okay, and that's why this one is especially exciting, is it's bottled at 63.7% ABV, which, if my math is correct, makes it 127.2 proof, right? So, no, so we're no. drinking it straight up. <laughs> neat, straight, yeah, neat. I'm shitting my pants right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Honestly. we're drinking it neat, as, as we normally do on the oh, show man. so far, just straight up, all right? Um... And yeah. Are we ready? Go, Cheers. Yeah, this may be them. my final episode.
1: <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> this is. this is. I love the high proof no. stuff now. That's where I like it's to live. Oh, oh, are we
2: supposed to shoot it? Are we supposed no. to no. sip it? No. You're okay, gonna sip we're going to sip it. Okay, we're going to sip it. This is and a we, Yeah, we've We've covered that okay. before. Yes. Okay. Let's just see. keep, keep opening the band aid for that good. time. I was getting
3: ready to shoot this and I went, oh, wait, wait, wait. I had to make sure. Don't burn that esophagus down. I
1: effectively edited that out of the first episode and you guys keep bringing it up so now all the listeners know that I shot the fucking alcohol from the first episode. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to have to sip this throughout the whole episode anyway. Whoa. That's good <laughs>
3: stuff, man. That is good those, stuff. Those cops like they're hard. Man, that,
2: <laughs> after a hard 18-hour day, hey, I, I can understand drinking
3: that. Head oh, my god. It's, it's good, man. It's definitely spicy. Yeah. I can taste a little bit of dark chocolate. Yeah, it's Coffee. It, it's very – it's a bourbon – so there's some sweetness, but I definitely feel like it has more of a rye spice for sure. It's man, mm. and I just really dig it. I like the heat, I love the warmth. <laughs> I love I love it, the spiciness, man. Man, it is warm. It makes my eyes yeah.
1: water before I even taste it. <laughs> it's, it's it's a
3: very good I one. Like this it. is a very good bottle. And again, if you're someone Woo. that's into trying whiskeys, I would definitely pick this one up. And even if you're afraid of the high proof, um, you know, you can always add a spoonful of water ah, to it. You Don't you always do it on the rocks. Hmm. Well, I mean, you know, that might be something worth exploring what? at some point. On the rocks, yeah. please. Yeah. Well, <laughs>
1: man, this casing is really gorgeous, too. The design, the package design. Is really yeah, cool. the, wooden the wooden box. whole wooden box yeah. the label. It's yeah, it's, it's
3: really awesome. Great bottle appeal. Yeah. And it's it's a good Superman for some special occasions, just like Episode 8 of Twilight Ooh, Zone. The zone is
1: hot today. Yeah, yeah, coming in hot. <laughs> so,
3: oh, man, excuse me. Ooh, it's coming back. Keeping it in. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Now that we've got... Guitar <laughs> just finished the... Or no, he just took one <laughs> more sip. <laughs> all, right. all right. So Booker's Bourbon in honor of uh, Mr. Woo! Bemis and all his books. Yeah. It's, it's Bemis, well, right? Is it Bemis yeah, or Bemis? Very... Uh, Mr. Beamus, yeah. Mr. Bemis and yeah,
1: all Bemis. his books.
3: All right. So here we go. Now let's talk about this.
1: And like Mr. Bemis, I will be soon blinded by drinking Uh this goddamn
2: alcohol. You're giving it away. Spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he has glasses for the whole (laughs) episode. Everybody knows he can't see.
0: Witness Mr. Henry Bemis, a charter member in the fraternity of dreamers. A bookish little man whose passion is the printed page. But it was conspired against by a bank president and a wife and a world full of tongue clockers and the unrelenting hands of a clock. But in just a moment, Mr. Bemis will enter a world without bank presidents, or wives, or clocks, or anything else.
3: He'll have a world all to himself, without anyone. So t- time enough at last. So we open up. On Mr. Bemis. He works at a bank, right? Yeah, he's working yes, at a yes, bank. The this customer's dealing with him, and he's just talking about this book he's reading. and these. one It's uh, David Copperfield. Uh, David Copperfield. Yeah. David Copperfield yeah. yeah, and he's talking about all these wonderful characters, and it's so great. He's just immersed in it. And this customer is getting all annoyed because she doesn't <laughs> want to hear this shit. <laughs> she doesn't want to listen to it. She wants to get home and drink her Booker's bourbon and fucking call it a day. But this dude's talking about books, and she's like, yo, man, I'm supposed me. to be getting 25 bucks. You shorted mm-hmm. me a dollar, and he's like, oh yeah, this is a great character, they added. And She's like, give me my money, and leaves. And then he gets called in by the manager. Oh, before that, big up to the casting
1: department because that Huffy uh, customer, her face was such a
3: perfect huffy customer face (laughs) like she came out of central casting yeah she was absolutely perfect like
1: oh she would ask for that extra dollar i can see it
3: and speaking of casting i can't believe i forgot to mention this right off the bat here we go is henry bemis our main character Mm -hmm. is played by burgess meredith yeah we'll we'll talk about this later it appears in several episodes of twilight zone throughout Mm -hmm. the series Mm -hmm. some really good ones he's Mm -hmm. in some quality episodes (laughs) um and you'll definitely know him from rocky as Mickey, the old pug of a trainer. <laughs> and, yeah, it turns out that he looked the same all his life. <laughs> just, I mean, looking at this episode and then seeing him and Rocky and, like, grumpier old men and all that shit. like and, he, he was old and, and, and he was young. And the Penguin. The <laughs> Penguin and Batman. And, and
2: Batman, the original Batman series. Yeah, wow, I forgot about that, too. Batman 66. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, he always looked the same. <laughs> um, I'll do that. <laughs> so, anyway, Burgess Meredith gets called into the office, Mr. Bemis by the manager and the manager's like you're a reader I know you you're a reader and he's just like what the fuck and he's like yeah you love reading reading books too much and he's like I can't help it man I love it that's my hobby and I don't have time to read at home because my wife's a bitch and she cuts up my magazines. she hides them <laughs> she doesn't let me read all I want to do is read he's got these big old glasses like bubbles from trailer park boys and like, <laughs> magnify his eyes and shit and the dude's like yeah you can't be reading here this is you know work time don't be doing that shit you he do literally tells him like, Yeah. he tries to ban reading from him. Yeah, which I was like, and it's fascist. It's, yeah, it's every <laughs> everybody like is hating on him so much. So anyway, he he walks out. It's like, yeah, whatever. He goes home. He's trying to read, and his wife is just bitch. I don't remember exactly, but his wife is just bitching him out. Like this is the, I think Shh. the. This is the first time we see the wife, like, mistreating the guy, right, so far. Or we haven't seen much of that, right? Anyway, all I know is she's... She's very overbearing. She's very overbearing. Yeah, she's just being a fucking dick to him, shooting him out. And there's a point... Where she like scribbles on all his books, like uh, on the pages, his poetry book. Like, yeah, and, I was and he's so like, so pissed, "What dude. the fuck, dude? Like, oh my god!
2: Please, like, please, oh, that's a poetry book. Please read it to me." Yeah, I would love to. And right. he, as he opens it, it's all scribbled. It's all out. scribbled out.
4: You want more coffee, or don't you? No, thank you, dear. Well, then why don't you tell me that, and don't sneak off into the living room to bury yourself in newsprint? I think we've been over this quite enough, Henry. I won't tolerate a husband of mine sacrificing the art of conversation. <laughs> All right, what's so funny? No, 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 dear. it was just that you said a husband of mine. Well, how many husbands have you got? You've only got me.
1: Can we also mention how he hides his poetry book under the sofa cushions like it's pornography? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah, flashback yeah. to being a teenager and hiding oh. my porn magazine in the sofa cushion and under my bed. Oh, man. Yeah. Dude. Also, early in the episode, someone mentioned uh, tongue cluckers, and I was like, what the hell is a tongue clucker? But I, I guess it's somebody now. who just goes, oh yeah probably yeah i just found it like <laughs> such a bizarre like anachronistic Tung term tucker. that i've never heard Makes before sense. just tongue clucker
3: <laughs> yeah, so anyway really she bitches him out doesn't like uh, ruins his books and then now it's it's the uh the next day so he's working at the bank and he's like you know what fuck this i'm gonna take my book i'm gonna go down to the vault no one's gonna bother me down to the vault call it a day just to get some reading done he's chilling he looks at a newspaper, it's like, hydrogen bomb, like, could. Pen, pending attack, uh-huh. or could destroy, could everything. destroy everything, yeah. yeah. Um, something along those lines, he's like, alright, yeah, fuck that, that's not interesting, picks up his book, and then there's this great moment, uh-huh. right, where he, he like, notices something, it's quiet, and he looks down, he's got, like, one of those stopwatch? pocket, yeah, he's got, like, one yes. of those pocket watches on the ground next to um, one the of book. his books, mm-hmm. and then he looks at it, and all of a sudden, it just shatters. And then, like, two seconds after that, the whole place yeah. rumbles. Yeah, that shot was so yeah. good. Uh-huh. It's so, and I love that moment, that, like, pause where he's, like, knows something is off, and he looks at it, and it just shatters. And then after, like, the whole place mm-hmm. is, is shaking, mm-hmm. he's bumbling around. I, I guess he was unconscious, maybe, because he doesn't come to until a while later, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So, anyway, then, yeah, the rumbling stops. He, he wakes up or whatever. And he's like, shit. He goes upstairs everything is destroyed the whole mm-hmm. bank is fucking rubble he's like holy shit dude he's just looking around <laughs> with his big ass glasses looking around <laughs> i think they're called coke bottle glasses <laughs> <laughs> I, that sound i feel like yeah. i've probably heard that before <clears throat> looking around and all of a sudden he hears his manager's voice and it's coming from this tape recording and he looks around the desk and there's like a tape recording of his manager and his manager's hand just like hanging yeah, out like buried under yeah. all this rubble and it's he's like, like fuck you fascist
1: yeah.
4: I can only tell you that an adherence to duty, a constant remembrance that a bank, like a political office, is a public trust. These things are of the essence. These things are basic, above all things, just the qualities I've mentioned already. Miss Jackson, that's my speech for the Thursday night banquet. Would you type that up in drop <laughs> so, now,
3: so now is that moment of like, damn, everyone's everyone's mm-hmm. fucking. This shit dead. is real. Yeah,
1: this apocalypse is real. Yeah. So
3: he <laughs> he walks out and he's just looking around and it's all ruins, ruins of an ancient time, mm-hmm. this civilization, and then he's talking to himself. He's like, "Shit, I'm alone." Like, I guess the vault saved me. I don't remember if he says that, but some along those lines. He's thinking. Yeah, he's, the he's talking to himself. He's just wandering around, and then he finds uh, the grocery store. He's like, "Well, I've got enough food here to last me for." forever this is cool i'm by myself everybody sucks like i got food food. (laughs) yeah food enough here to last me for years and then he's like sitting sitting on the couch yeah he eats his little (laughs) cracker he's like this is gonna last forever forever. (laughs) sitting on the couch you know um falls asleep And then the next day, he
1: falls asleep on the sofa with a lit cigarette. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, this is is how you start forest fires. (laughs) But then I was like, there is no forest left, so never mind. (laughs) So I got to take another drink of this. It's okay.
2: (laughs) Yeah, brought to you by Booker's. It'll (laughs) kick you in the teeth. Bookers, not boogers. Bookers.
3: This stuff is really good,
1: man. It's good. Now that I'm like, my palate is
3: uh, on fire. You're adjusted.
2: (laughs) Yeah, my mouth is No, for real. Like, like, I can taste it now. Instead of just, like, the strongness, Mm -hmm. I can taste the... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
3: Yeah. Uncut and unfiltered small batch bourbon. (laughs) Um, Anyway. (laughs) So, so, you know, now it's the next day, and he's just like, God damn. Like, I'm by myself. Like, the loneliness is going to kill me. What am I going to do? I'm just wandering around. He starts a car. There's a car that, like, starts for some reason and he's just like man if it weren't for the solitude and now he's starting to break down like it's mm-hmm. it's hitting him like he's fucking alone yeah sure he's got food he's got supplies but he's all by himself man mm-hmm. there's no one left and then he finds a gun he's he's like on the rubble of a sporting goods store mm. he finds a revolver he's like all right I'll be forgiven for this I'm sure like right. I've got to be forgiven for this he's about to put it to his head and then <gasps> He sees something in the distance. What is it? The public, public fucking library. library. The public library. He, yeah. Big Doing shout that. out to the public libraries <laughs> out there. Yeah. All the librarians. Yeah, thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> for, for those for, yeah, for, for those of us that grew up pre-iPhone. Sitting uh-huh. in the library yeah. reading, yes. <laughs> um, so he goes to the library. He's on the, these stairs. It's a, it's a really cool it's looking beautiful. set. Really yeah. dope set. And he's just like, oh, the works of Dickens. The works of these people, right. this, the Chauncey, fucking, yeah, like all the stuff, Shelley. Shakespeare, yeah, Shelley,
2: yeah.
3: And he's so stoked, like now he's got his purpose. No one's gonna bother him. He's just like, fuck yeah, dude. And then Love some time, ta- some, some, yeah, <laughs> some time passes by, and he's just got stacks and stacks yes. of books. He's like, this is February, yeah, March. I'm he's gonna got read like these two years appear. mapped oh, yeah, out, like, yeah, yeah. two years uh-huh. ready to go, just yeah. all stacked in a line.
4: Collected works of chickens. Collected works of George Bernard Shaw. Poems by Browning, Shelley, Keats. Great dramas of the world. Books, books. All the books I'll need. All the books, all the books I'll ever want. Shelley, Shakespeare, Shaw, all the books I want. All the books. Oh. Ah. January February, March, April, May, this year, the next year, and the year after, and the year after that, and the year after that. And the best thing, the very best thing of all, is there's time now. There's all the time I need and all the time I want. Time, time, time. Ah, there's time enough at last.
3: And then he's sitting down to read the first one, and he's like, yeah, man, like time enough at last. I've got all ah. the time in the world to just read. That is it. That is my escape. This is my world. Enough food, enough books to last a lifetime. Mm-hmm. He sits down, opening that first one. And then he drops something, or something he something happens. Another, another, he knows, oh, he notices. Notices yeah, there's the, another book at yeah, his foot. Yeah. So he, he reaches down it. for it. His giant ass glasses fall <laughs> off of his head and shatter on the ground, Chuck. and he's just like pauses there for a sec. Cause and we've seen this throughout the episode. They show some povs from him, yeah, where he without those glasses, like he he's can't blind, see man. shit. He's as pretty much blind, blind as a bat. Yeah, he is. It's blurry <laughs> as hell. So they've made this clear throughout the episode. Mm-hmm, I, I forgot mm-hmm. to describe that in these povs. So these glasses break, and he's reaching for it. It takes him a second to find it, and mind you. One thing I forgot to mention, but right when he sees the public library, you know how he was gonna shoot himself in the head with that gun, he just drops drops it over there. Drops the gun, so he doesn't have that gun no more. it's just in the rubble somewhere. So he breaks the glasses. He he picks them up. He tries to put them on. They're They're completely. They're shattered. They're done. And he's just it hits him. He's like, it's not fair. Like that's it. It Does just like it's not. It's it's not not fair. fair. This isn't fair. Like I had time. And he's just like trying to keep it together. He's like, I had time. (sighs) I had like he's I'm getting more mad thinking about than he is. (laughs) Like yeah, I'm getting angry to him. It's just tragic and sad. He's like it's not fair. Like I you just gotta see it. If you haven't seen this episode, you gotta watch it. Like it's that performance right there, that moment, the way he conveys the sadness Mm -hmm. in that true feeling of like, yeah, it's it's not fair, it's fucked up. So now he's just blind and alone.
4: That's not fair. That's not fair at all. There was time now. There was was all the time I needed. That's not fair. <laughs> That's
3: not fair. In this post-apocalyptic... Right. he'll never find like that gun. Yeah, he'll never... Yeah, he's he he's just, done. Yeah. He is he done. He's done. Um, It's a very... bum-out episode yeah. at the end, man. There was <laughs> that
1: moment where he... He went to his house, and his house was rubble except for the mailbox, and he didn't give two shits about his wife. Like, he never mentioned her. Yeah, that's he didn't right, right. he look I mean, for the corpse. He's like, Fuck yeah, it. She I'm was done. very mean to him. <laughs>
4: Fuck her.
3: Mm-hmm. She was a tongue clucker. <laughs> so what did you guys think of this episode? What did
2: you take from it? Um, Let me see. What I, what I took from it, I think it was overall really well done. Um, one thing that caught my, my interest. And, uh, I know I was speaking to Rudy about this when we were actually watching the episode, you can hear as he's yelling out, hello, help anyone out there. You can hear the ambiance of the studio, the studio yeah. that he's in. And <laughs> uh, and you know, with black and white, you, it's hard to tell where the backdrop is, but as he's like walking, just barely pack back against the, the edge of the, the back. Matte the, yeah. The map painting. Yeah. You can hear the the reverberation. It's clear as daylight. And as he gets away from it, you can hear now the open space of the studio but I, I that was just one thing that's a nerd thing of me that I, I picked up <laughs> yeah no I noticed that too but like the quality of sound does change the episode uh, episode was was really paced out really well and I can see how it's the one that like it's the beginning of the one that starts out and the sense of irony that starts to play out through the twilight episodes
1: yes pay attention to okay So that was terrible. (laughs) I had a lot of uh, things I noticed in this episode that I really loved. And I also had some uh, questions of things I didn't quite. I didn't know if they were left out on purpose or if the screenwriters didn't think of it. But um, I did notice that I'm really enjoying the uh, first act breaks of all these episodes, the way they just set it up and then you go right to commercial and you've got to come back and see what the hell is going to happen. Like, I love these first outbreaks. They're really, really good. Um, I did (laughs) going back to the wife. I did feel it was really ridiculous because clearly he was that bookish when you married him and when you met him. So why would you expect him to be a totally different person after the, the marriage? You know, I just, I found that part so troubling. Like, she wanted him to go and play bridge with the neighbors and, and, and practice small talk. And I'm like, you have this learned guy here who's like a fount of knowledge and, you you know, you're scribbling out his poetry. I just I really detested that. Yeah, she sucked, man. <laughs> <That was awful. laughs> yeah. yeah thank you. you broke it down. Thank you. She sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when he looked at the newspaper, I like freeze framed it to see what the stories were <laughs> besides the H-bong. And there's one story about uh, the public being opposed to tax legislation. And then there was another story about uh, a farm bill that people were uh, against, I guess, or for. Because I, I found it interesting that like a lot of the same stuff that people are up in arms about now, taxes and, and sort of like farmers and America and all right. that. It's like, it's been there. It's like not new. Yeah. You know, so I really found that interesting. Uh, my favorite line in this episode. And he says he's walking around after the bomb goes off and he says this is an 8 hour tour of a graveyard. And yes. Yeah, Rod Ser- Rod Serling said that, That's right? When beautiful. he when he does that uh his little so narration midway through. Yes. Yeah. 8 hours. So
3: he was walking around for 8 hours yeah, and he Ritz crackers. I like sponsor rests too, before that when he when he opens up it's like like, the hour and minute clock or arm on the clocks are just, like, crawling slowly. Right. Like, the way uh, he says it so well, uh, going into that, it's an eight-hour tour of a graveyard.
1: I'm glad you mentioned the POV because that was one of my favorite things. They did a POV yeah. shot of just putting the glasses over the frame, and I was just like, oh, that was so awesome. I love that so much. Um, can we talk about radiation?
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um...
1: I don't know the difference between an atomic bomb and a hydrogen bomb. I don't know if it's the same thing, but I felt like there definitely should have been some radiation because he was really just, he left that vault really quickly and was walking around and eating food. And I was just like, dude, you're going to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That nuclear fallout. Like, man, in
2: dude. in my research of movies that deal with, <laughs> 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 I going to say my atomic <laughs> know, research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, no, not facts. Not facts. But... Not facts. But in my research of fictional <laughs> aftermath of bombs, um, the radiation doesn't; it, it's present, mm-hmm. but it's not an immediate. Oh, you're gonna die! You know, you're gonna start all of a sudden poison. It's a slow process, uh, and that's like why, isotopes. like, that's why when it does happen, the theory the theory is you need to stay underground or closed for. I think it's a, like a two year. year, a year, yeah. two years, or something, <clears throat> just for. The theoretical radiation to hopefully just drive away as much as it can before you can come back up to safety. Then at that point, you're really dealing with whatever's up on there. But again, this is all, it's all speculation. It's all what people in Hollywood have said, you know what? Two years should be work. Or this is what (laughs) happens when, you know, you actually do, you know, are out in the present of the fallout and you start to rot to death. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> slowly but surely so we, we only saw it maybe in the time frame of this episode we saw two days really so essentially he could have he probably would have lasted maybe a month or two really before the radiation like killed right. him Yeah. but yeah. we only saw a day or two yeah for good sure good point
1: good
3: point
2: again based on research <laughs> Hollywood of research. Research. <laughs> Hollywood research <laughs> um,
3: sorry I just pulled up um, Sterling's middle narration. I want to read it because it's yeah, read it. it is really good writing. Here, All I right. love the.
0: Here we go. Seconds, minutes, hours, they crawl by on hands and knees for Mister Henry Bemis, who looks for a spark in the ashes of a dead world. A telephone connected to nothingness, a neighborhood bar, a movie, a baseball diamond, a hardware store, the mailbox of what was once his house and is now a rubble. They lie at his feet as battered monuments to what was but is no more. Mr. Henry Bemis On an 8 hour tour Of a graveyard
3: Yeah yeah, man that's what's up A reader A reader of books man. <laughs> that maybe, maybe it does manager. take
2: place In a span of 8 hours well, Yeah it does that, That's, what it's, that's okay. what's implied We okay. saw him
1: leave the job And go home yeah. And then go back to work The next day right so, Yes is, You were right And then days. he went to yeah. lunch
2: Right. He was on lunch And then it happened So but then you have to think about He went to lunch Bomb Walk, End of the world And he's walking palace. around And then he falls asleep And then he wakes up again And then he finds a library So I yeah, wonder right. That's what I'm wondering What the eight hours is So maybe it's a three day well, The it's, entire it's episode it's is three days, three days But he
1: wandered around for eight hours I After see, the bomb I see, went okay. off. Yeah. When, Because when, if he went to lunch It was twelve And then it, he went to bed It was must have been like eight So it must have been 12 to 8, he was wandering around, and then he lost all the daylight, I guess. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's it's implied that it's been that time. Ton- Otherwise, I mean, he wouldn't have said specifically 8 hours. Mm. It's it's implied. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, so... Any-
1: uh, I also want to say I really enjoyed the production design of this. I mean, it looked bigger and more expansive than the previous episodes to me. It didn't look so TV studio-ish, mm-hmm. even though you can see the seams... I loved matte painting. I loved the illusion of distance. So that all worked for me. I'm a big matte painting guy, and I'm a big rear projection guy. So, I was really onto just it looked it looked apocalyptic. It looked great, and yeah. the actor Burgess, he really was using pieces of the set to to uh, put his performance across. So, yeah, that
3: was fucking great. Yeah, I, I agree. The production design, the setting was really well done. Yeah. It, it definitely looks like a large world, like you said, which. So far, we haven't really seen that kind of mm-hmm. landscape in the show up to this point. So, yeah. yeah.
1: Also, guys, I want to posit this question to you, based on this episode. Do you think the Twilight Zone is just a space where God fucks with people? Don't all answer at once.
3: <laughs> is the Twilight Zone just a space where God fucks with people? That's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> it's that Booker's. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> Um, I guess so. makes sense to me. It's there. Yeah, they're in the twilight zone. They're in the zone between night and day or whatever. <laughs> no. Um.
2: Yeah, sure.
3: <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. All right.
2: I'm just going to have to see more episodes before I give go to my final conclusion of that.
3: It is a place where people get fucked with in order to convey some sort of lesson, hmm. you know, and one thing that. We're going to see more and more throughout the show is, you know, it's all irony, reason. And I was watching something actually about Rod Serling, um, about his time in the war and all that. And, you know, one of the things that informed him, and really, like, thinking about the show, most, a lot of the episodes, it, it truly is some kind of irony. Like, even in the, in the previous episode, the guy sells his soul for immortality, but, oh, now he's locked in jail forever, right? Like a fucking idiot. And then, you know, um, and then even, even this episode, like, oh, I'm going to read, the glasses break, like, fuck, it's so ironic, you know, and one thing that I, uh, a story I heard, I guess when he was in the war, um, there was a period where, you know, they're starving, they're out of food, they were out, I think it was on a, a Philippine island, um, you know, they're out of food, they're just, like, posted up in the jungle waiting, and then finally, you know, they airdrop crates of food for the soldiers that are still left over, you know, they they got dropped there, he was a paratrooper, if I remember correctly, And then so they're stoked. like, Oh, yeah, our food's coming. Fucking awesome. Here we go. We're going to keep we're going to live. All right. And his best friend in the war. Mm -hmm. Well, one of these crates landed on him and killed him. Fuck. His best friend. So he saw his best friend die from their airdrop that was supposed to save him. And I would imagine that that informed, you know, a lot of his writing afterwards. And Mm -hmm. obviously, I mean, the war is going to have a big impact on anyone. Right. And then, but seeing something like that—that that is, that is irony. That is yeah, like is. the the thing that's here specifically to save your life. It's like ten thousand killed, killed of food. you. Yeah, on just, <laughs> just <laughs> your wedding day. You. <laughs> um, so yeah, and I mean those those things happen, you know. <laughs> um, sorry, that's Woo! I'm chuckling at him. The bookers, <laughs> bookers and, yeah. is killing me, but it's so <laughs> good. <laughs> this good. I mean, you definitely get. Some sweetness now. Yeah. like I know when I was finishing it up, you get some of that brown sugar. It's really yep. good.
2: Um, we do enjoy the Booker's. Yeah. Booker's. Oh makers. yeah, I'm gonna have it again. I'm
1: just yeah. saying. But um, <laughs> I gotta man up.
3: Yeah. So, sure. Yeah, it is a space where God fucks with people too, okay. if you believe in such a thing.
1: First episode, though, not so much.
3: Yeah, that's just the U.S. government fucking. <laughs> <me. laughs>
1: to some people, the U.S. government is God, so that works, I guess. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all
3: right, so does this episode still hold up in 2018? Or, sorry, did you have something to add to that?
1: No, I'm good.
3: All right. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for us to get back to reality. Does this episode hold up today, Amanda? What do you think?
2: I want to say, I want to ask specifically how hold up how, because I can go a few directions. I can go a few ways with this. I mean, well let's let's hear all the ways. I one way is no. It does this doesn't hold up because this is such a classic episode. It's it's a unique it's the gate opener to everything that I know about the Twilight Zone ever growing up and everything like that. And even in like as you guys were talking about in previous episodes, like we were waiting for this this one to get to and I wonder why. Why? Why is this one so significant? is it the acting? Is it the story? Is it? What is it? What? And that's after watching it, I think it's something that undescribable that really holds on to its own world. So, I want to say no for that reason. But then now,
3: well, sorry. Before you okay, go on, okay. Okay. What's your now? Well, what you're saying to me, it sounds like you're describing that it does hold up. You know, you're saying no, but then we're talking about how this is the one, this is the gate opener to the right, Twilight Zone. Right. This is the one we're, we were waiting to get to. Mm-hmm. This is the one we remember from growing up because we all definitely saw this as good. And then, you know, the Simpsons did this. Yep, episode, yeah, Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's been other interpretations, I'm sure. So I feel like what you just described, and yeah, it's indescribable, I guess. Uh-huh. But what you said is like you're kind of explaining that it is it holding is. up. Mm, that's okay. like it did hold up, and that's why. We wanted to get to it. That's why yeah, yeah. We, we remember it growing up uh-huh. as opposed to, you know, maybe some other episodes. So that, that's, yeah.
2: Okay. And then, uh, so then I also want to say yes, again, it does hold up because it's, I guess, the predecessor to anything apocalyptic that we know today. Like, it. I'm thinking of some some, movie, um, some movies in the 80s that were made and I can't think about it, but... Um, there's definitely that fear of what would happen if we were attacked. Well, and maybe not the irony of the, oh, we can, we can read, but definitely how one person can stay out in the world after an apocalypse or, you know, a nuclear attack. And what would they do? And I, I want to see what else could happen if that episode was longer. Right. That right. I, I would definitely like to see, but it it, I definitely, it does hold up. It, it, it does. Plain and simple. Uh, I have to
1: agree. I mean, it's a classic for a reason. Mm-hmm. So it's it's basically timeless. I mean, there are parts of it, obviously, that are dated. Like, I mean, I love reading, and I know plenty of people who love reading, but I've never met anyone that bookish where they, you know, are as bookish mm. as he is. Uh, although he did mention in the episode that he had to resort to reading the condiment jars, and I was like, you know what? I've sat in the toilet and uh <laughs> read the toothpaste and read the mouthwash bottle so I get it. I get it. You know, that's real. But um yeah, I it's this this episode is always going to be in everyone's top you know, maybe 5 or 10 no matter what just because the it, it's probably the first time that the real heavy use of irony happened and sort of set the course for a lot of other episodes in the series. So I'm going to definitely agree that it, although elements are dated thematically and, and the performance, uh, and the direction and the production design and the sound design, all that still holds up, you know, so you can, you could probably take the books out of it and replace it with something else and have the same situation happen and it would still work, I would say.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with all that. D- Did out to that. You know, one thing, I was just um, looking something up. Apparently, there's a a Greek myth that is pretty much the same story. Um, Hmm. Tantalus, I guess if I'm saying that right, was punished by having to endure eternal hunger and thirst with both water and food close to him. Mm. It was always there at his grasp, but yet he could never reach either. So I guess, yeah, that must Mm, have been the... That's where tantalizing comes from. Oh, Ah. there you go. Yeah, so that must be... um, Little classic uh, there. an influence on this. But yeah, I think it's a very, it, it definitely holds up, you know, and yeah, in 2018 now, if they were to do some kind of reboot of it, it would just have to be about electronics rather than reading, you right. know what I mean? Like, because then we're in a world of like phones and computers and it'd be like, fuck, I don't have my tablet, you know, <laughs> stupid, stupid shit like that. Um, I'm actually kind of curious
1: if the 80s uh, reboot of the series did this episode over because they redid a bunch of, classic episodes, but I don't know if they read the, this one, and I'm curious if they did, did they use books again, or did they use something else in the 80s? Yeah, I've never
3: Ooh. seen the 80s revival. I've seen the one from like 2003, oh, before, like the early 2000 with one. ones was with Forrest good? Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker. It, it was okay. It oh. was, I mean... I'd rather just watch the original ones. Yeah, me too. there's there's a few classics that they redid, and I was actually looking it up. They didn't redo this one. Okay, but yeah, now it does seem interesting. Like if they were to reboot this episode, what would it be? I mean, I'd imagine it. It be it would revolve around technology, mm-hmm. you know. And if there was some kind of apocalypse and we lose electricity, like I mean, except you know that's not even. Um, limiting to just one person—that's everybody. Like, if everybody—if we lost electricity, man, or yeah. just even like, oh, phones don't work anymore, like mm-hmm. sh- the fucking world would be. It's kind of sad. I would not. I would not mind. Nah, uh, I would be experiencing okay, that for a while. I but had a child without it. Yeah, okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, Escape from L.A. Snake yeah. Pliskin style. Right there. <laughs> the kids after uh, us going be going miserable. back to the dark ages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's that. It does hold up. It's a classic. Very sad, very ironic episode. It's it's kind of chilling to think about. It, it truly bums me out, and I get yeah. it makes me a little scared just thinking about yeah. it, like the future of this character, who wasn't a bad guy. No. He just wanted oh, no. to read. No. But, hey, bad things happen to good people, too. So. Fuck.
1: Thanks for that uplifting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Sorry, <laughs> bud. Sorry for the downer, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Right. That's the world we live in. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's that for this episode. Do we have any fan mail? Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Episode over. All right.
0: Bye. Bye, guys. The best laid plans of mice and men. And Henry Bemis. The small man in the glasses who wanted nothing but time. Henry Bemis, now just a part of a smashed landscape. Just a piece of the rubble. Just a fragment of what man has needed to himself. Mr. Henry Beavis in the Twilight Zone.
4: Kimberly Clark invites you to watch Steve McQueen in Wanted, Dead or Alive, Saturday nights over most of these same stations.
1: Thanks for listening to the Tipsy Serling Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Tipsy Serling. You can find us on Instagram, Tipsy Serling underscore podcast, Or you can send us an email at thetspod at gmail.com.